You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this afternoon. Let's turn to our very first topic and guest of today. This afternoon, we're chatting with Diane Magris, who's an award-winning author of the New York Times Editor's Choice and her book, The Mad Wolf's Daughter. And Diane joins us all the way from the U.S. this afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Now, it's afternoon for us, but it's, well, it's late evening for us, and um, it's early morning for you. Early morning for me, but that's all right. I'm a morning person, so this works just well for me. That's great. And I'd love for our audience to join us today on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and hear Diane there as well. Um, So first of all, for some of our listeners who may not know about your work, tell us a little bit more about The Mad Wolf's Daughter. What is that about? The Mad Wolf's Daughter follows the story of a young woman named Dressed. She's 12 years old. She's part of a war band with her family, which is composed of her father and her five brothers. That's all she's ever known. She's grown up on a pretty isolated um, part of Scotland in 1210, and her world is very, very tight. She's always received a lot of support from her family to be one of them, which is a warrior. At the very beginning of the novel, her family is captured by enemy knights and taken away. She learns later to be hanged for their crimes. Now, she wasn't aware that they've committed any crimes to her. They're her beloved family, who's, as I said, always supported her. She goes on a journey to rescue them and learns more about their stories, how they're known in her community. And one of the things that was really fun to write about this novel, to write in this novel, was how dressed saw herself and saw her world and how she defined herself. So she believes very strongly that she has a duty. This is something her family instilled in her and her own interpretation of it is to protect others. And that's something that I wanted to touch on because when you write a novel taking place in medieval times, it feels distant to readers, but it can also feel highly relevant. And that was my little modern, my modern ping on it, because I feel it's very important for students today to think about how they can stand up and help others in desperate situations. And certainly as I was writing it and after I, after it got published, that seems all the more relevant. Having some kind of internal courage to, to stand up when you need to and to speak up when you need to. Yeah, absolutely. What inspired you to write this? How did this sort of this idea pop into your head? Oh, well, it comes from my my obsession with medieval things, castles and things like that, but also my interest in finding the stories behind the obvious history. I mean, medieval history is something that surrounds a lot of people in the US. It's a bit of a stereotype and it's been used in some really unpleasant ways too. And so I wanted to find out what life was really like um, to talk with historians and to read a lot of books to, to truly try to hone in on how, how this world could be relevant to kids today, but still have some of the exciting parts that make it, make it popular. And I, I admit, I also wanted to tell the story of a girl who had a sword, who was being, Uh, taking a role that boys often take in adventure stories and to show her also having unwavering confidence. That's something a lot of readers have told me that her her confidence is something that um, they admire. Yeah, well, let's talk about that, Diane. Why did you decide to have a female protagonist? And why is it important to have that sort of representation in children's literature? 
Oh, because even today, I was just reading an article yesterday that said that boys are still the primary characters, the primary protagonist in children's literature for my age group, for my readership, which is approximately eight to 12 year olds. And it's, of course, we need boys to star in stories, but to have more girls, to have more people of color, I just think we need so much more diversity. We need people from so many different kinds of backgrounds. This was just my my first attempt at this, and I'm very proud of how it turned out, but I'm excited in my future work to add a even more well-rounded world. Yeah, and I'm sure your work has already resonated with so many people, hence the award um, as well. And you're absolutely right. You know, people want to see representations and people want to, you know, perhaps it's not you being represented, but it's so nice to see other cultures or or other uh, narratives being told. You know, that's what reading is about, expanding our own worlds and minds. And it's so relevant these days when we're sort of trapped in our own bubble um, (laughs) because of the pandemic. Yes. Oh, that's so true. You know, it's been interesting. I've had, when I do school talks, some of my most enthusiastic audiences are actually boys. And that surprised me because I thought this would be a book that would be most popular among girls. But I have at my signing lines uh, many boys who tell me how much dressed means to them. And I, I just find that really interesting. And I hope it inspires them to look at the girls around them in a different way and, and think of maybe maybe a little bit more respect, which I, I think a lot of kids try to do these days, but I'm hoping to have a, a greater yeah. impact with that. Wasn't there a sort of study or something that said that uh, films with female leads often gross better in the box office? Perhaps the yes. same could be, you know, in, in yeah. literature as well, that, you know, everybody actually really enjoys stories that feature female protagonists, girls and boys alike. Well, it's awfully fun to see a girl stepping forward and <laughs> with a massive sword, yes. <laughs> apparently. It was certainly fun to write. Absolutely. When, as you, you know, very aptly put it, when a lass becomes a legend, I really think that really can resonate with a lot of people. Um, so what are you working on at the moment? Well, right now I'm working on my third book and we're in the final edits of it. And this is this is your scoop because I don't think I've told anyone this right wow. now. The title is Secret of the Secrets of the Gloaming Beasts. Wow. And it's the story. It's a fantasy. It's a bit different for my readers. It's a fantasy, an alt contemporary fantasy taking place in a fiction on a fictional island where um, shadowy monsters come out at night and decimate the population. And the only ones who can stop them are kids who are immune to their venom. And so they are highly trained wow. to go out and fight these monsters. And it's, um, it was a, a, it's been a lot of fun to write because there, of course, there are so many moral issues in there about should kids be out fighting monsters? <laughs> but you know, when you write this kind of fiction, they do, they do. But uh, it was, it's just been a delight to write a different kind of cast. I have five very different, uh, very different kinds of kids than dressed, though they all have similarities. They're all very brave. They all try to be confident, but they all have quite different personalities. And 
it was, um, it's, it's, I can't wait for it to come out and I can't wait for readers to tell me what they think of it. Yeah. And I think secretly audience love it when children fight monsters. I'm just trying to think of the Netflix series, Stranger Things, you know, people oh, yes, love yes. seeing children fight beasts. Um, you're so creative, Diane. Were you always this creative? Did you sort of, what were you like as a child? Did you daydream or doodle? What, what, yeah. What did oh. you do? Well, as a child, I'll tell you, um, my father liked to read to me and he would read books like The Hobbit and so forth when I was very little. He tells the story of when I was That's probably a really six thick or seven. Book. That's a really thick and hard book. Yes. And I, I wonder if he really should have read it to me when I was six, <laughs> six and seven, to be honest. But he tells the story of how I interrupted him and began to retell the story from the perspective of Gollum. What? <laughs> so for parents and educators listening, I think this is the best way to nurture creativity. Just start the, start them young. Start them young with anything. <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking of, you know, nurturing children to be creative, how can we do that as adults? How can we nurture their creativity? How can we help them become better readers, more avid readers? Well, I think listening to children is the biggest part. One of the things I try to do in all of my school talks is to give, in all of my presentation, to give students a chance to tell me their stories. I have a premise activity that I did, which I did with these wonderful students I met at the Creative Secondary School. And show me what they're thinking about. And so I think that's just in general what teachers and parents and anyone who works with young children can do to listen to them encourage them to tell their own stories, but also respect them for where they are at their reading level or their interest in reading. Some kids have trouble connecting with books, and I think it's our responsibility as adults to help them feel that books can be a home from them for them. Graphic novels or comics are just fine. They're a way of drawing people into the story, and often they're incredible stories, too. I think just it's all a matter of respect and and listening. Absolutely. Um, Diane, I also read somewhere that you have an obsession with Scotland. Um, <laughs> um, I've only been to Scotland once and I remember thinking, wow, this is um, Edinburgh to be specific. And I thought, wow, this is so medieval You know, everything. Even the McDonald's um, looks medieval. <laughs> um, where did your obsession with Scotland begin? Oh, gosh, that's hard. I think I've always been interested. I've always been an Anglophile as a, <laughs> as a kid growing up. I read a lot of British fiction. And um, Scotland just resonated with me. I went there because the Madwolf's daughter was based in Scotland. I went there for on a research trip to just make sure I had all of my facts right to actually be in castles, wow. which helped me fix a few elements. Of now the, that's <laughs> research. You went all the way to um, Scotland. <laughs> yes. Yes, but it was, um, it just, it resonated with me. I think uh, a big part of it is that really history is everywhere. And as a, as a culture, it's amazing how many people you just bump into who can tell you their favorite part of Scottish history and reflect on it and to talk about, you know, why it matters and criticize it. It's, it's, mm. um, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I love the people there. I love the environment, the, the mountains, the locks, the glens and so forth. It's, it's just, it's almost, but it's a joke because my, my family just laughs at me because I, 
I do have an obsession with Scotland. <laughs> it, well, it's a beautiful place to be uh, obsessed with. It really is. Um, yeah, I've always enjoyed m- my time there. And yeah, it's just a great place. And I'm so glad you, you know, flew all the way there to do your research. Now, that's real dedication. Um, finally, Diane, before I let you go, um, can we talk about your hobbies? And w- what do you do for fun when you're not reading or writing? Oh, my well, I garden. Um, I'm a bit ambitious with my <laughs> with my garden, which during the pandemic has been. Um, I've I've redone it a little bit, and That's I'm still right. not sure if I like the choices. We I've just made. never have space in Hong Kong. What do you What do you grow in your garden? Oh, I grow all sorts of things. I grow lupin and ladies' mantle. I grow too much. That's the problem. (laughs) Geraniums, I pack it all in. And that's, I think that is the biggest problem. I need to, it's like a rough draft, you know. Uh, When I write, I pack and everything, and then I take things away. I need to do that to my garden, too. I also love hiking. I love being outside. In all of my books, you'll find a lot of outdoor scenes. And then if I can be in a place like Scotland, I'd love to go to historic sites heritage sites and just I love to read and learn about history yeah and through your work the listeners and the audience can always learn about a bit of history through your work um Diane it's such been it's been such a pleasure speaking to you today can you remind our listeners are you on social media have you got a website how can we find out more about you and your work um I have a website it's dianemagris.com and I'm on social media at Diane Magris on Twitter and Instagram. So you can find me there. Excellent. Well, it's such a pleasure to meet you and to chat with you today. And we've been chatting with Diane Magris, who's an award-winning author of the New York Times Editor's Choice for her book, The Mad Wolf's Daughter. She's working on her third book at the moment. Be sure to follow her on social media. And I look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you, Noreen. Take care. 